Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, when we dream of a beloved place, do we actually go there? One listener shares both sides of a possible astral projection. An elderly woman so loved her home that she made the new owner promise to never let it be torn down. But what happens when the new owner contemplates selling to a developer? And a legally blind man's other senses are heightened as he detects a presence. However, what he knows is there is something no one else can see. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. So that's an interesting thought with the uh, the one of the headlines there is someone who don't tear down my house. Do you, that would be really difficult to uh, you almost have to accept at some point your house is going to go. Yeah, my fear with that situation would be the fact that this person loved their house so much they cared about what happened to it beyond their lifetime sure to me that's the red flag of hey they're probably gonna haunt this place yeah first chance they get you know it's one thing to to love a property and love a place but i I think the the sign of of having a healthy lifestyle as a ghost is being able to let go of some things a lifestyle as a ghost a healthy ghost lifestyle I think it's something we should talk about more on the show is how to be a healthy, happy ghost. First of all, I think it would be called death style. <laughs> death style? Mm-hmm. We'll cre- how to create your new death style. Yeah. It could be like a special on HGTV. <laughs> be great. Uh, yeah, I, death style. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm saying this kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, but at the same point we have had listeners or have listeners uh, that are dead that listen to our show Um, at least that's the stories that we're getting so I'm thinking having a little segment here and there specifically for them and how to enjoy the afterlife a little bit more make the most of your afterlife if you will I don't tips from tips from the living on how to make the most of the afterlife we are in no way qualified (laughs) to give any guidance to ghosts on how to Exist in their eternity because how to feng shui your casket? <laughs> we don't even know <laughs> what their con- <laughs> their constraints are or anything like that. Well, hope I mean yeah, I probably want to just be like casket tips. Like when your finger falls off, here's a great way to mend it back. You know, nothing like that because they're, they're ghostly. They're not hanging on their body unless we're talking like Walking Dead. I don't. Know. <laughs> Just keep going down this path. <laughs> yeah, I'm just watching. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Still don't have any way for the uh, undead to uh, contact us yet. Still not quite open to the idea of uh, doing a, uh, a Ouija line in. but uh, No, no Ouija lines <laughs> in. Maybe someday we'll uh, we'll have some way for you to communicate. <laughs> we'll have like one of the, the is it the Dybbuk box? What's the, no. the yeah? We'll have some way. ghost box. Ghost box. We'll have one of those hooked up here. Oh, we have a dead caller. Yeah, then it's just scanning. <laughs> there we go. It could happen someday. Here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a letter Tyler writes in. I uh, just recently started listening to your podcast uh, on uh, Podcast Republic, a podcast app for Android phones. Oh, it's interesting. I didn't never heard of that one, but welcome. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm finding new, more podcast apps that exist out there, and there are literally, you know, hundreds of them. Um, I always say iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, because those are kind of the, the big boys in the world, but there's all sorts of smaller ones out there, and they kind of come and they go, and some are big and some will stay, so... It's always interesting what, uh, what what folks are listening to us on. Anyway, continuing on, I just started uh, the Snow Demon episode, so I'm still getting caught up to present-day episodes. There are two in particular that I'd like to talk about. The first one was the Shadow People episode, where you first mentioned astral projection. If I remember correctly, you wondered whether or not people who astral project, not those who saw the projection, remembered it. And I have a story related to that question. This didn't happen to me, but to my grandmother. First, some quick background information. My grandfather died when I was five, when I was eight. My grandmother remarried and divorced when I was 16, if I remember correctly. After the divorce, my grandmother decided to buy a townhouse on the newer side of town. When I was 18, I moved from the state my parents and siblings live in, Idaho, to go to college in the state my grandmother lives in, New Mexico. At the time, she was still living with her ex-husband. The townhouse was a bit pricey, so a couple years prior, he offered to move in and help with rent. It wasn't awkward. They were more like roommates because the romantic attraction was gone for both of them, and they remained good friends. Besides, he traveled for most of the year, so he wasn't around much. When I was 19, she started seeing someone new. Well, he's a general manager for casinos, and when his contract is up, he goes wherever a new casino wants him. In September of 2013, they both moved to a new state, Oklahoma, because he signed a new contract at the casino there, and the ex-husband decided to keep living in the townhouse. Sorry that was so long, but here comes the story. One night, my grandmother fell asleep and had a dream about her old townhouse. In the dream, she was standing in her bedroom, which was the master bedroom, looking out of the window that looks out over the front walkway. After a few moments of looking out the window, she turned and saw the ex-husband sitting on the bed behind her. He moved into that room after she left, just looking at her. She woke up, looked at the clock, and saw it was just past 2 a.m. and went back to sleep. The next day, thinking nothing of the dream because it was so mundane, she went about her day. A couple days went by, then she received a call from her ex-husband. Because they were still good friends, they talked over the phone every few days. But on this particular day... The call was different. Not exactly sure how the phone conversation went, but I believe it started out talking about the finances and businesses of the townhouse, as per usual. Out of nowhere, he started talking about a weird thing that had happened to him a few nights prior. He said he was watching some movie on TV, and something out of the corner of his eye caught his attention. He looked over towards the window, which is to the right of the bed, and saw my grandmother standing there, staring out of the window. He called her name out and turned around to turn down the volume on the TV while asking how and what she was doing. There, especially since it was so late, 1 a.m. or so, when he turned back around to look at her, she was gone. At this point, my grandmother was freaking out a little bit because everything he said and described about the experience was exactly the same in her dream. She asked him what that had happened and it happened on the same exact night at the same exact time. Oklahoma is an hour ahead of New Mexico. I know it sounds a little crazy, but she and I both believe she astral projected that night and dreamed or remembered it. The next story. You want to talk about that one for a second before we go on to the next story? Sure. Thoughts? I think she astral projected over to New Mexico. Pretty straightforward? I think so. I mean, it, that it's... It's pretty rare that you can actually have it confirmed by the person who saw the ghostly figure. What about the time delay? What about the time was delay? Was there a time... Now, did I just... Did I interpret that wrong? Because okay. he said there's a time difference, but they said it was at the exact same time. It was at the exact same time. So when she looked at the clock, when she woke up after this happened, uh-huh. it said two o'clock. And for she, him, it was the hour difference. And he was in New Mexico, uh-huh. and it said one o'clock. Okay. So it was the same time. I get you. It okay. was just different for, times. For some reason, I was interpreting it as it was also two o'clock there, but there's the hour difference there. There's like a delay. No. <laughs> it's like... There was no travel time with astral projection. Like eight, seven central. <laughs> I'll right. be astral projecting. It's a West Coast feed and the East Coast feed that... Uh, <laughs> even though they're both over on that side of the country. But uh, interesting. I just think it's pretty open and shut with, you know, she How, did it. He yeah. saw it. 
oftentimes are ghost astral projections. Probably more than we realize. Like, more so ones that are... Where the entity itself is not necessarily interacting. Mm-hmm. When it's more so we look at something and go, is this a... Well, here's a thought. Is it a residual? Yeah, with well, the residual haunting. And how many times do you have a reoccurring dream? How many times are residual haunting someone else's reoccurring dream that's being astral projected somewhere? Boom! I just blew your mind. Wow. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. I well, got something good. If that's the case, then I must really haunt the Dickens out of the house I grew up in. Because <laughs> I dream about that house all the time. And I never, I know who lives in that house. It's the same people that bought it from my parents, but mm-hmm. they never met me personally. So they probably have this random chick just wandering around their house in the middle of the night that probably terrifies them. And they're trying to do this research. Did some little girl die here yeah, or something? Right. And do you astral project as your current self or can you astral project? As, like, let's say you're dreaming like this. I don't know uh-huh. how, if you dream if you're little again in the house, or if you just dream you're at your normal age. Um, but if you did dream as your younger self, and you are astral projecting there, uh-huh. would you be appearing as the younger version of yourself? Well, every time I dream of it, I dream that I've bought it and I'm remodeling so it. you're an adult, okay. Yeah, so I'm an adult. So I'm assuming they see me and... All the glory that I am now. So they're wondering why on earth is someone trying to remodel our house? And right. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they've seen somebody there. That's interesting. I'm trying to think where I'd be astral projecting a lot. I have a lot of... I've, since I was a child, I always... Um, I only went to like Disney World twice when I was a kid. And it was one of those places where it was just... It was fun. I mean, it was a really... It was an ex- for most kids, you know, sure. it's like, ooh, you know, you don't go there so much. So it's like, this is a really cool place. Um, so to this day, even like as an adult, sometimes I'll be like... Uh, now I'm dreaming like we're going there with our kids. Uh-huh. You know, before when I was younger, it was just me. And I was still, I mean, I was an adult, though. I would still be like, all right, I'm finally getting to go back. This is exciting. Right. Get to go look around Epcot, you know. <laughs> so as an adult, I still, you know, I bet a lot of people have dreams about that. I wonder how often people are astral projected into places like that. And it doesn't have to necessarily be Disney World, but but any place where it's a common attraction that a lot of people get excited about going to visit. Um, and if, if this is the case where this can happen like that, um, where you have a sheer high amount of people all having that desire and that emotion and that dream mm-hmm. of going to X location, you know, insert any one of the many popular locations around the world too. Um, how often that they appear haunted when they're really just a shitload of astral projection going on. And that sounded really horrible, saying the words shitload and astral projection in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, it but, did. Uh, but you know what I mean. I'm not trying to, you know, say anything else, but yeah. Well, the thing is, I think there's so many people there, and most likely you don't know everybody, so how would you sure. know if it's a ghost or not? It's hard to know what's out of place in a place like that. Uh-huh. Okay, only, everybody is thoroughly confused now. Only time will, will tell if we stand the test of time. <laughs> that's a song that's from... Uh, da, 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 da. Why Can't This Be Love? I heard that on the air today. <laughs> okay. It's another one of those fun sayings. Uh-huh. You know. That was fun. Well, it's because I... What was, what was the thing I said just before? It was... Uh, shitload and astral projection. <laughs> I had with a place or something. Oh, anyway. I don't know. I'm stuck on that. <laughs> I'm just, you know... <laughs> 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. I had a former coworker who was really into that song, and he always quoted that. When I heard it, I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of a bizarre line. It is. So, anyhow. Continuing on with the uh, second part of this story, the next story has to do with another episode in Haunted Children's Asylum, if I remember correctly. It was a story about a girl and her friend who were supernaturally forewarned by the friend's grandmother to not walk a certain path that they normally do when going home. At the end of October, my 17-year-old cousin was hit by a car on her way to school that morning. She died the next day from her extensive injuries. Needless to say, the entire family was absolutely devastated. 
Every Thanksgiving weekend, I fly home to spend the holiday with my parents and siblings. Well, with Thanksgiving coming up in a couple weeks, my aunt asked to stay with us so she wouldn't be alone. She had two daughters, my cousin and her older sister, who my aunt did not get along with. My aunt had spent the previous couple of days in the room we had given her to stay in and had only made a short appearance for dinner on Turkey Day. We all knew she was having a very rough time, so we let her be. The day after Thanksgiving, my parents, aunt, and one of my younger sisters were sitting in the living room watching TV. I was in the dining room, which is right next to the living room, so I was within hearing distance. During a commercial, my aunt started talking about a strange thing that kept happening to her every night back home. Short background info, my aunt has lupus and is frequently sick. Whenever she wasn't feeling good, my cousin used to run her fingers lightly through my aunt's hair to help her fall asleep. So apparently, one night... Shortly after my cousin's passing, she was lying in bed crying, and as she was lying there, she had the sensation of someone running their fingers through her hair. She went on to say that this happened several more times since then, usually on nights when she was having an especially hard time. She thinks it was my cousin visiting her to help her feel better, like she always used to do, and I believe her. One thing that you continually question on your episodes is the categorization of ghosts and spirits. I personally believe that every ghost and spirit are uniquely different, just like every person is unique and different from the next. Some ghosts may end up being more or less intelligent than another, and the same goes for malevolent spirits. It's hard to categorize because so many people have experienced similar yet different entities in the case of my cousin. I believe that she visits my aunt frequently, just as protective and caring after death as she was in life. She really was a wonderful and beautiful human being. I'm sorry this is so long, but I just thought I'd contribute to a thing that has occurred around me during my life. I have other short stories and experiences that perhaps I'll write to you someday. Thank you so much for taking the time to read this, and I really do love your show. You and your wife make my workday go by so much faster. Thank you so much. With the idea of each ghost being individual and unique, with the exception of appearance and, you know, character traits, the things that we have with us when we're alive, I think you would run out of abilities. You know, you're not going to have a billion different abilities that ghosts can choose from. You know, I think... Oh, sure. To some degree, I think they have to be somewhat similar because of the the number of them well yeah i mean i i've never questioned that they don't have their own personalities or anything like that i i think there's a a limited spectrum uh, as far as what you can do as a ghost if you're a human ghost if you're a non-human ghost and then i think it kind of spreads out from there um, as far as what those abilities are. And I, I'm thinking there's probably certain skill sets that some have that others don't, just as in life. I mean, I don't think that there's some human ghost that can fly and some that cannot. You know, I don't think it goes that extreme. I think it's one of those things, there may be some that are able to essentially conjure up energy <laughs> and use it better than other human ghosts. I mean, just as like some human beings are stronger uh, than other human beings. I think sure. things like that exist. Um, I don't think there's some human ghost that can possess another human being while others can't. I think uh, that, and this is just my opinion based on the stories that we've had, I think there's some that if you're possessing someone almost, it's it's usually something that's not so great. Um, but I don't categorize coming to someone as, in a dream as being possessed though either. No. I think that that, that can happen with a human ghost. Um, but I don't really think that there's a lot of human ghosts that are taking over other people's bodies. Okay. Just my opinion based on our stories and what we've heard and what we know. I could be completely thrown for a loop in our next story. You never know <laughs> with half of the stuff that we hear and go, oh, well, this has made that much more questionable to everything that we thought we kind of knew about it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're all, I mean, I, uh, unique individuals, if you will. Well, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I agree. The skill set, it's... It's kind of limited. It's limited, but some have strengths, some have weaknesses. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. You agree? I do. Okay. I do agree. Yeah. yeah. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. If you like the show, be sure to verbally tell a friend about it. Like, 
verbally. Verbally. Why can't they just text it? Because you get more impact with verbal communication sometimes. It's just a new thing. Uh, the way that commu- people communicate. Now people are not writing to each other in short 144 characters uh, ways. They're actually speaking out loud in their mouth to communicate. What a waste. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. It's crazy what these people, these kids are coming up with. Wow. You know the craziest thing that I've seen that I, I really do not understand is the voice texting. Why? Where you where you send a recorded oh. message via text. <laughs> I hate that. What is the point I... of this? <laughs> to send a voicemail or call the person at, at some point. The whole point of texting is to not be have to like stick the phone up to your head. It's just a quick notification. That's all it is. I had somebody who's not techno savvy mm-hmm. who I am sure thought that she was doing the voice to text function. Sure. And instead was sending me a voice text. And you know how you could tell that she thought she was doing that? Because she put the punctuation in there. And spacing out the words very carefully. Yes. Um, Like, oh, that's what she's doing. (laughs) I know exactly who you're talking about. And that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. But, But there's... And, and I forgive that. That's just not understanding the technology. You're just getting used to it. Sure. You know, as you're you're using a new function of something. I mean, there's plenty of things I don't know what the hell I'm doing too. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where you know that that's what you're doing. Yeah. It's like this. Why? Just there's like five other easier ways of doing this. This is now making this technology that was supposed to make life easier more difficult. Maybe it's just used for when you have to put a certain inflection on the way you say something. Call. But that's so intrusive. Then why communicate at all? I don't know. <laughs> why, just, why just, just, you know. We're just going to be grunts and nods soon, you know. Exactly. It's all going to be characters. Mm-hmm. There's no words anymore. It's going to go back to symbolism like caveman. But it's just going to be these bad smiley faces and like little symbols and like hearts and airplanes and stuff. <laughs> That's all it's going to be. And then the kids are going to know exactly. They're going to have these in-depth conversations. You're going to look at it like, what the hell is this hieroglyphics? No, Dad. Brad's asking me if I can go to the party on Friday night that he asked me about last. See down here, said about last week, and then he's asking how my day went, and then and all symbols. That's yeah. Exactly how it's going to be. Yeah. And I'm going to be completely clueless, and I'm going to look at these symbols and misinterpret them, and be like, "What the hell does this mean?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, there'll be these weird like, uh, anyhow. Oh, the future. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Adam writes in, hi guys, a friend of mine listens to your show and introduced me to the unknowing of my, re- introduced me to it, uh, unknowing of my recent trauma. I've listened to a fair few podcasts and no one has seemed to have an experience like mine. I've been through a lot in the past few years and this is the first time I have written about this since I left my last home. It was the start of 2005. I was a young man, 24, and a fresh-faced investor making big money in Ireland's capital, Dublin. I made a huge gain on a certain investment and I decided to buy myself a new home for me and my girlfriend, now wife. I'd always dreamed of owning a Georgian uh, townhouse uh, in the leafy suburbs of Donnybrook, South Dublin. These houses are worth quite a bunch. However, at the time, money was simply not a problem. Every evening, I was reading through the property section of the independent newspaper to see if my dream home was in the for sale adverts. After months and months of absolutely nothing, I found an advert, a large, white, three-story home, but the price was extremely high. I knew myself that whoever was selling this house had a little to no idea how overvalued this property was. However, I rang the auctioneer regardless. He seemed rather shocked to hear a reply from the advert given the price, and we arranged a viewing with him and the owner. As I approached the property, I was absolutely bewildered by its beauty. Wooden framed windows with single-pane glass, concrete steps leading to a large blue front door with a heavy knocker on it. I also got closer. I noticed a lot of construction work to the right-hand side. However, during the early 2000s, this was an extremely common occurrence. I used the heavy knocker and was greeted by the auctioneer. My earlier assumptions of him being surprised by my interest were soon replaced with anger. An auctioneer? Anger with me for having a $20 million home? Please. He must be having a bad day. 
He led me around the house, and by God, it was beautiful. However, the auctioneer seemed extremely unenthusiastic, as if he didn't give a shit if I bought it or not. Why doesn't this fellow want this house sold? I thought to myself. The beauty of the house itself casted away all doubt, and I was in love. With that, I was brought to the grand living room. It was then I met Mary, the owner, a frail old woman with thin silver glasses and a very whispery voice. She could barely get up from the chair to shake my hand. She was that frail. She cracked her neck violently, making me shudder with a crunch. She ushered me into the room beside us, which was obviously an indicator she didn't trust the auctioneer and wanted to talk to me alone. She told me that the construction men next door wanted to buy her property to knock it and create apartments. Her eyes surfaced tears. This is my home. I want it to be here forever, she told me. Can I do that in the, in the Titanic lady voice? What? Can I do it in the Titanic lady voice? Nope. That's what I'm picturing, though, in my mind. You can picture her. I'm but picturing you... Rose with this Don't. <laughs> necklace. <laughs> okay. It's been 85 I knew you were going to do this. I knew that. <laughs> and this is my home. I want it to be here forever. That's great. Good? She yeah. told me. He, the auctioneer, seemed to side with them. Oh, that's her again. Damn it. I asked her why she didn't put the house in her next sibling's name so they would stop harassing her. I have no one left, she said. Does that hurt the story or does it? It kills the story. Oh, I thought I, it's what I, thought I read the Harper. help. <laughs> but she's two. She said again. Again, she cracked her neck violently. Jesus, are you all right, I asked. And she replied, Neck pains, love. They come with age. I'm not usually one for having feelings, but this old lady touched me. She loved her home, and I was falling for it, too. She looked at me and then asked me, Do you promise to please buy my home and save it? I told her I would, and with that, I approached the auctioneer and told him I'd take it. The sheer disgust told me he was clearly getting paid from the contractors to make sure the house wasn't sold, so Mary wouldn't have a choice but to sell out. Tough luck, asshole, seeing as we had three months left on our apartment lease. I told Mary she could take her time and move stuff out over the next three months before we moved in. She was in ecstasy. So, she was so happy her home was going to a person that was going to care for it. And so, intent, and so I intended to. Close to about ten days before the big move, I got a phone call. It was the auctioneer. Mary had passed away during the night. At first, I was very shocked, but it wasn't long before my mind realized she just died in the house you bought. I hope she doesn't haunt you. Being quite skeptical, I dismissed the thought and continued to feel for poor Mary. I arrived in a van full of my wife's and my stuff and was greeted by a stout man with gray hair sitting on the steps of the front door. Every normal man has his price, ain't I right? He said confidently. This was clearly the contractor who had been harassing Mary before she had died. I pointed at my Rolex and said, But I'm not just your normal man, am I? Brushed past him and opened the door wide and continued to move my stuff in. This was where things happened. Things I couldn't really explain, but were positive. I remember one situation not long after I moved in. I'd been up all night working on a presentation for a huge meeting the next day. I remembered gathering it up off my work table and throwing it onto the kitchen counter while I made some coffee. I remember having a shit attack, realizing the time. Grabbed my coffee, bag, and was out the door. One hour into the journey, I was on the phone to my colleague, and it decked me. I left it on the kitchen counter, the presentation. I almost vomited. I continuously tried to think of stats and paragraphs, but I was fucked. I couldn't turn around or I'd miss it altogether. I couldn't believe it. I walked into the building where the meeting was, but I said to myself I'd have a cigarette first. Reached into my bag, it being so big I couldn't feel the cigs in my hand. I looked to find them. The papers are there. I didn't put them in. Maybe I did. Who cares? They're here now. At the time, I thought it was sheer luck. Slip of my mind. I remember another situation that genuinely did bother me. In Ireland, our summers are actually atrociously random. 
We can go from sunny weather to hail and rain within minutes. It was a really hot night, and I remember pulling up from my work and leaving my windows wide open in the car to let the smell of the Indian food out. After stuffing myself, I fell asleep on the bed. About five hours later, I woke up to a total panic attack when I heard rain pedal against the windows. Fuck the car! I sprinted down two flights of stairs to grab my keys, and just before I ran out of shelter of the front porch, my car windows were closed. The first thing I did was go up to my wife and give her a huge smacker for saving my car, as I thought she had closed the windows. She she woke up and asked why I was being so nice. Not that I'm an arsehole or anything, but I told her I was thanking her for putting up the windows. She told me she hadn't. And what the fuck? It was little things like that that happened occasionally, leaving me bewildered and questioning my own sanity. It wasn't until around two years later things took a turn. The economy crashed in 2008. I lost a lot of money. Thanks be to God, I had paid most of my debts except one. For weeks, I tried to see how I could, one, decrease it, and two, pay it off. Went to banks, rich friends, even loan sharks, but not a soul was lending any money. I pulled up after a day of anxiety and sheer doom, and I looked at the house. There was the money I needed. In that very moment, I rang the contractors and asked them if they were still interested. He told me he'd meet with me in a month's time and that I would only be expecting half of what I needed. After that, things happened. Things I'll never, ever forget. I couldn't sleep properly for weeks. There was a horrific atmosphere in the house. I was waking up to a feeling of fear. The house was cold, even though the heating was on. I always felt something on my shoulders. Guilt? Maybe I don't really feel guilt that much, though. I've lied and done things to people in the past. How is this different? I got a call from a client offering some help. Stayed up two nights in a row, preparing the sheets and making sure this looked like a 100% accurate and genuine, possibly profitable rescue from bankruptcy. It was possibly the best piece of work I'd ever done. I threw it into my bag and made my way to the city center to meet with these saviors. I entered the room and opened my bag. Not fucking there. I'm pretty sure I actually went cold. I was sure I put it in. 100%. Long story short, I left the meeting with nothing but my bag and their laughter reoccurring in my head. I got home that night. My wife was in bed beside me and the room went very cold. I just closed my eyes and tried to fall asleep. Until I heard a noise. It was like something had fallen on the floor, but it wasn't loud. I turned on the light to find my papers in the middle of the bedroom floor. I just felt a cold sweat run down my face after all these coincidences. Something was definitely in the house, and now it wasn't happy. I turned off the light and went to bed. I lay there so terribly frightened and shook. I felt my wife turn over and started mumbling. I was fairly used to her sleep-talking until I heard her voice. It wasn't hers. You, you, you promised me. You promised me why? I shot from my bed and ran to the door, and I nearly fell down three flights of stairs to the kitchen. I turned on the lights in the kitchen and lie on the counter. I'm fucking shaking. What the fuck? Is Mary here? I began to calm I'm only obsessing. You probably forgot to bring her and my wife somewhere or do something. I poured myself a glass of water and sipped it until I felt my heartbeat slow somewhat. I remember hesitating, turning off the lights and telling myself I'm being silly. The instant the kitchen went dark, there was a cold breeze. Through this silence, I heard something that I will never, ever forget. I heard... A neck crack. My apologies, but I can't remember the next few minutes very clearly. I was probably in the deepest feeling of panic and fear I've ever experienced. I ran out the door and kept running. I ran until I got to my local police station. Apparently, I went unconscious walking in the door. I can't remember walking up to the hospital. The doctors reckon it was stress that induced the panic attack and fainting. I didn't tell anyone. My wife kept asking me what happened. I just told her I didn't remember. I rang the contractor within hours of walking up to tell him the deal was off. 
I told my wife that we would be moving to a house belonging to my parents for the time being. She didn't understand what she did, as I asked. I sold the house for minuscule money to a good family. I never returned and never will. I haven't had one experience since. What do you guys make of this? I think that makes one heck of a story. That was a good story. Yeah. Um, hopefully that new family gets along better with Mary. And... <laughs> Until they decide to sell to the contractor. Well, and you know what? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But as long as he isn't the one that she's focused on, you know, yeah. she there, there may be the possibility that has a happy ending that... They keep the house and she stays happy and does helpful little things for them. Uh, but my goodness, that net crack, that was, that's the scariest part. It's a lovely old lady until you cross her. Yeah. I wonder if she'd be upset by the new family uh, if they decide to sell to the contractor because they never made that agreement with her. You know, was it more so of a, you made a promise to me and now you're breaking this promise? I mean, I'm sure she would be upset that the house would be sold, but would she be as, like, violent about it or as over the top? I I don't know. I think the thing is, she was mostly upset not that he sold the house, but that he was going to sell it to specifically who she didn't want to get it. Because mm-hmm. the, the thought process was they're going to tear it down. Yeah. 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 Tear it down and make apartments. Sure. Hmm. Be very interesting. Yeah. You should reach out to the people you sold the house to and see how things are going. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if in other countries, if they have the stigmatized property law, where you have to disclose those sort of things, or if that's only a United States thing. You'd think it almost be more in other countries just because there seems to be more hauntings. I think that's a reason to not have to have it because... Things are so much older and, sure. and there's so much more activity abroad <laughs> that you can't. Otherwise, every single place would be yeah. labeled as a stigmatized property. That's one of those things where it's actually labeled if it's not a stigmatized. Oh, look, this finally one that's not a haunting. You yeah. Know? It actually stands <laughs> out when that box is not checked. Right. You know? No, it's, 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 that's an interesting take on it. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Whatever platform it is you're listening to us on, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or one of the other countless uh, ones, uh, please press subscribe so the shows get sent directly to you. You don't have to search for us every single time. And uh, there you go. New episodes sent uh, Monday through Friday right to you. No, uh, no waiting to download. It just kind of does in the middle of the night. It's ridiculously simple to do and it helps us out quite a bit let's go to uh, ryan a call hi tony and jenny bruski this is uh ryan from pennsylvania i'm just uh calling in for the first time i've been a big fan of the show for a little while now i thought i'd come share a story with y'all uh the story is from my childhood uh, i guess i was probably about 12 or 13 years old and i was over my cousin's at my cousin Steve's house. Uh, he is about a year younger than me. We've always been pretty close growing up. Uh, always done a lot of things together, camping, hiking, fishing, hunting. And uh, at the time, we were alone together at my aunt and uncle's house, his parents' house, and we were in his basement. In his basement, there were sort of like a I guess like a range, a big plume block for us to shoot uh, the bow and arrow and not the safest environment, of course, but uh, they were just uh, dull-ended or dull-tipped bows and arrows. And we were only supposed to be down there doing it under the supervision of my uncle. But needless to say, we kind of went down there on our own one day. It was during the summer. Anyway, we're down there. And we're in between uh, shooting rounds, the bow and arrow, and we're kind of just looking at the, the phone block that we're shooting into and seeing how well we did if we were on target or not. And everything's pretty quiet. And we hear the front door upstairs open, and we kind of freeze, sort of like a tear in headlights. 
because we know we're not supposed to be down there doing that. And we hear the front door open, and then after that, you hear the main door to the house open up, sort of like a front room that you have to come through. Well, we hear footsteps of what should be my uncle Steve coming through the front room and then coming into the living room of the house. And as that second door opens up and he enters into the house itself, we hear my cousin's six-year-old black lab get up and we can hear her dog tags on her, on her collar moving around too as she gets up. And we can hear what sounded like our Uncle Steve say, hello, Samantha, and what sounded like him reaching down to pet the dog. We heard the dog tags moving around. We heard the footsteps even more as he got further in the living room. We heard the dog walking with him, and then it stopped. The dog stopped moving as well. So we kind of stood there for a moment, just waiting for the basement door to open up and Steve to come, or my uncle Steve and my cousin's father to come walking down, catching us red-handed with you know, the bow and arrow and thinking that we're, we're caught. But nothing happens. A couple more moments go by. We wait a minute or two and we call upstairs to our Uncle Steve and no answer. So we're thinking, what's going on? Where did he go? You know, he should have answered us. There's no way he couldn't have heard us if he was in the house. And we put the bow back, hang it up. We go upstairs into the living room and there's nobody there. And the black lab the dog was laying up against the front door like she was expecting someone to come in. We checked all throughout the house. We went into the kitchen, into the front room, nobody. Went upstairs, called, called for him, nobody was there. We even went up into the third floor into the attic and nobody was there again. We kind of got pretty creeped out by this at this point. Called my Uncle Steve up and he answered and we asked him, you know, had, are you, did you just come into the house? Are you home? And he said, no, I, I, you know, I haven't, I've been at work since 8 a.m. And he worked 45 minutes away from where we were at, at the house. So now we're, we're, we're pretty freaked out and no idea who could have came into the house because we had both doors locked. Um, again, we know that someone had to have come in because we both heard the footsteps and my cousin called out to his dad when we heard it. But like I said, nobody was there. Um, that's my story. Uh, I have a few other stories, things that happened to me over the course of my life. Uh, so hopefully I can call back and share those with you as well. Uh, thanks for listening and hope to hear this on the radio show. You know, I've imagined hearing people come home and, and various different things, but for two people to hear the same thing. And the dog. And the dog. There's something going on there. The tell is the dog. Yeah. That's the thing that really, if the animals are alerted, you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's what I use as kind of the tell for me when I'm here, like by myself or something. And, um, cause there's so many times I think I hear our garage door open. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, you're home. You know, and you know, if I know you were going out to get something or whatever, or if you got the kids or the other, then that's like, okay, I'm going to go out and meet you at the door and help get the kids in or whatever you're picking up. It's just sure. kind of my signal to go help. Uh-huh. Um, and if if the dog is just still sitting there not caring uh like sometimes i'll be in the bedroom and i'll hear that sound and it turns out to be the neighbor um and i go and the dog sitting there and it's not doing anything oh i must be hearing things i'll just turn around and go back now uh-huh. i used to have to go check just to make sure <laughs> uh you know my and but now if the dog's not doing anything although sometimes she's just really a lazy ass yeah she can be and there's some times where she doesn't get up yeah. For that. But there's usually at least a sense of alertness. So now it's at least if she's looking up or looking around, I know that I'm not the only one who heard something. Sure. 
So, yeah, but the pets are especially the sixth sense, and sometimes they're the, the ones to hear it first before or see something, and we're talking about paranormal here again, or I'm talking about paranormal, paranormal here again, even before the people do. Mm-hmm. Pets start going a little batty looking at things, and all of a sudden you start hearing something or seeing something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good uh, good uh, gauge of uh, or, or confirmation that you're not nuts. Yeah. Or, and if you are seeing something and the pets are not, go get evaluated. <laughs> Okay, so have a dog. Exactly. Okay. Or cats. Cats are just as good. They're going to probably go hide faster, but... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or, you know, freak out and go after you. I had a cat that did that a lot. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. James writes in, I've had a number of things happen to me over the years, but a lot of them involve family, so I'm going to share one that doesn't involve them. Oh, come on. Bring the family into this. Just change their names a little bit. Or better yet, <laughs> use their names. That's say, even more fun. And say, you're famous. Listen. <laughs> as I don't know if they'd want to be talked about on a show without their permission. Change your names. That's all you have to do. Change your name, too. No one will ever know. And we have a lot of people who do that, actually. Yeah, so. we do. Continuing on, it says, I'm legally blind, have been since birth. I went to a training center for the blind, a place for people with little to no vision to learn independent living skills. When I was about 19... I am and have always been a night owl, and I love to write sci-fi supernatural novels and was always up late at night in the computer room typing. On the way to the room, and even in the room, I'd hear someone walking around behind me. When in the room, I'd hear the person walking through the rolling chairs that were in front of the computers. Later, I was moved from the dorm wing to a unit designed to function as an apartment. The first night I was there, I was sitting on a metal-framed couch, more like something you'd see in a waiting room. As I tapped out a little rhythm on the frame, I then heard the same rhythm tapped out on the bathroom mirror. I did two additional different patterns, and whoever was in the bathroom responded with the same pattern each time. I left the room for the rest of the night. On another night, I was trying to get to sleep lying in bed, and I heard a woman talking in the kitchen place that was always full of unexplained bumps and bangs. The day after that, I was on the phone with a friend I had met at the center who had gone home, and a voice cut in on the phone saying something like, coming down the hallway now. My friend asked, what was that? I told her it had been the same voice I heard the night before. I then talked to the guy that had stayed in the apartment before me and asked him if he had anything weird happen to him. He said yes, but refused to go into detail about it. I went home shortly after that, thinking I'd probably never get to go back to the building again. Due to changes in my vision, I did return about ten years later. I had not forgotten about my earlier experiences, but I wasn't looking for more either. By this time, I was heavily interested in ghosts and ghost hunting, though I had found a couple of other people saying that, still staying there at the time, who shared my interests. The place had been remodeled about a year before my second trip there, and the apartment unit I had stayed in had been converted into two classrooms. The funny thing is, the activity there appears to have stopped. The center's kitchen, which had always been a creepy place to me, was right next to the former apartment current classrooms, and it seemed even creepier on my return visit. My friends and I also got together at night to watch any and all ghost-related shows we knew to be on TV. And the room with the TV was large, with a couch and two chairs in front of the TV at one end, and a few conference tables and chairs at the other end. We'd hear bumps and bangs from that end whenever we would be in there at night, including bumps on the courtyard windows, but it was in the middle of winter. There's no way anyone could have knocked on the windows without making noise as they trudged through the snow to get to them. On one early morning after my friends had gone to their rooms to go to sleep, I sat in the TV room, writing on my own laptop. I heard footsteps out in the hallway, and I looked up, expecting to see the hallway. Motion-activated light turned on. The sounds continued past the door, but the light never turned on. Then a moment later, they stopped, and the light did turn on, and the night supervisor walked by her, appointed rounds. The light turned off after a while, and the footsteps started again, along with another bump or two at the window behind me. Then I heard footsteps outside the window and a knock, and saw that it was one of my friends. I let him in, 
He told me his own story. He had been in the room trying to get to sleep and had heard noises coming from within his room. He got his phone and turned on the voice recorder and asked if anyone was there. He fell silent and then ended the recording and then played it back and heard something. He then met another friend on his way over to see me and tried to play the recording but couldn't get it to work. He played it for me and it was a woman saying, Looking for the one named James. It sounded close to the voice I had heard over ten years ago in what used to be the apartment. My friend's phone wouldn't work right for a while until he finally deleted the file and then it worked fine. I'd love to be able to investigate the place with a few friends and without anyone else in the building, but it's a state-run facility, so the chances of that happening are probably next to none. I think she had a crush on James. <laughs> the ghost? Yeah. Ghost loving. She was looking for him for a long time. It's interesting. Do you think that the ghost targeted him with essentially an audible haunting because the ghost knew that he would be more uh, open to hearing it or, or more more sensitive mm-hmm. to an, an audible thing? You know, because it's, it's one of those things. Obviously, if you can't see that, you're going to be very sensitive to any sounds and, and observe them more than the average person who has vision, if you will. Right. You know, because it's, oh, it's our sound. And, uh, and we probably miss so many sounds in our everyday life just because we're, you know, preoccupied with other things. Do you think that it was tar- he was targeted by that ghost? I don't think necessarily. I think he may have just, like you said, just picked up more so on it because mm-hmm. he's more into seeing sure. through, his, through his hearing, you yeah. know, sure. knowing what's there based on what he's hearing Mm -hmm. so i don't know that they necessarily had to change how they haunted i think he just picked up on it easier okay very interesting story yeah very well written too i'd love to hear more uh more from you if you have more uh more ghost stories of course you can write into the website realghoststoriesonline.com you can also uh call in anytime you want 24 hours a day seven days a week 855-853-4802 that is our phone number here at real ghost stories online if you like the show please consider supporting it keeping it on the air as it grows so do our costs of bandwidth and such and keeping it going so if you like it five bucks a month is all we ask We'll give you four bonus episodes a month, essentially. It's an extra episode every single week and equals 52 bonus episodes every single year. Right now, there's about uh, 23 of those bonus episodes out there. You get it right away when you sign up, and then a new one every single week sent directly to you. So it's almost a full month of binging episodes right there. Yeah. If you make it through everything and you want more, and they're good episodes. So please do sign up and support the show online, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click Become an EPP. It's an extra podcast person please and thank you for that uh until next time for jenny brewski i'm tony brewski thanks for listening to another episode of real ghost stories online <laughs>